You're listening to Ditch the Dogma with Paula Marie Davis, a podcast that challenges conventional wellness dogma and encourages women to think outside the trends, to listen to their own bodies, and become the only guru they will ever need. In this episode, we're going to start a conversation about the question that I get asked most often. Whether it's from clients or friends or family members, the question is always about food and they're always telling me they just don't know what to eat anymore. When it comes to food dogma, there's a ton of it. We have to face it. When it comes to the way people eat, so some people are raw, some are vegan, then there's different varieties of vegetarianism. There's also the ancestral diet and the pagan diet, and let's not forget paleo and keto. I mean, it just goes on and on. In addition to these types of eating, there's also these items that we're supposed to be skipping, like dairy or gluten or sugar, just to name a few of the most popular. So it's no shock that we are totally, totally confused and we just don't know what to eat anymore. So we're going to talk about some of the things that have happened or that we have experienced that have maybe added to this confusion. Now, before we jump into this conversation further, let me share my disclaimer. You're going to hear it often and regularly because it benefits both you and me. It keeps you safe from harm and it protects me from liability. While I hold many certifications in various areas of wellness, including coaching and yoga and aromatherapy and other movement disciplines, it's important to note that I am not your personal guru. The point of this podcast is to help you become your own guru. So I'm not your trainer, your yoga teacher, or your wellness coach. My goal is simply to spark conversations that will motivate and inspire you to reach your physical, emotional, and spiritual potential. You are ultimately responsible for listening to your own body and learning as you go. Think of me as nothing more than a girlfriend, a trusty companion. I'm not even your tour guide because just like you, I'm on this journey and continuously learning along the way. So let's ditch the dogma and embrace this journey together. It's also important to note that the information provided on this podcast, as well as my website and in our community, is based on my personal experience and should not be taken as medical advice. I'm not a doctor or a registered dietitian, so please check in with your own healthcare provider before embarking on any new routines or making significant changes to your lifestyle. Each person's body is unique and may have specific needs, so it's crucial to listen to your body and make informed decisions that are best for you. So let's dig into this conversation. Where should we start? Let's start at the beginning. What did you learn about food when you were growing up? What type of food did your parents feed you? You know, in my house, it was all about quick and easy. So box cereals were in all the cupboards, Fruit Loops, Apple Jacks, uh, Captain Crunch, right? And then my mom and dad were on a really strict budget. My dad was, was trying to get into banking and my mom stayed home, but she was a seamstress. So she was making money on the side to help out with groceries and things of that nature. And so my parents were very, very frugal when it came to food. I don't know, I'm, this might date me, but decades ago, there used to be hostess outlets. 
And the hostess outlet, the day before their items would ex- would expire, they would have a big, I think it was either buy one, get one free, or maybe even buy one, get two free. Because they had to unload all of the expired products that they had at the outlet store. So my mom and her girlfriends literally would all drive to hostess, open up their trunks, go in there, shop, fill a shopping cart full of Twinkies and Suzy Q's and Ho-Ho's, and they would come out and they would fill the trunk. And the deal was, if you froze the soon-to-be expired items, they that expiration date would then be sealed, right? It, the food would last longer. So my mom would take all the hostess home, and we even had an extra freezer in the house where she would pack the freezer solid with all of these hostess products. So after school treat was hostess cupcake or a hostess Twinkie. And on that was our go-to. These were foods that my mom could get cheap and they were fast and they were easy and it didn't require that she stopped sewing for us to get a snack and that made it very effective for her. It was useful. My mom also made nice meals for Christmas and for the holidays and for birthday parties. She would go all out. But during the week, it was pretty much frozen dinners and things that were quick and accessible. I have to tell you this story. So when I was about 10, I was at my a sleepover at one of my mom's girlfriend's houses and the mom was making dinner for all of us. And she had these things on the countertop. And, and this is really funny. They were these brown, round things. And I was just like amazed. I had never seen this before. And I asked her, I said, what are you making? And she said she was making mashed potatoes. And I was like, mashed potatoes? Where's where's the Hungry Jack box? I had no idea what russet potatoes looked like, and I was 10 years old. The only vegetables we generally saw in my house were corn and peas, and then occasionally at holidays, green beans with the onion, the fried onion things you would get on the can on the top. So my house was not one that we were trying things like Brussels sprouts and, and zucchini. It was very limited. And so I didn't have a lot of experience with nutritional foods in the beginning. And so maybe your beginning is similar to mine. Maybe you hadn't tried a lot of vegetables. Maybe today you don't eat a lot of vegetables because you didn't have experience with them growing up. So what we were taught about food as a youngster does play a role in where we are today about our food. The next thing that I think is really important, especially for women, and my podcast is for women, my community is for women, is our first experience as young women. When we're just becoming a woman, when we hit puberty, the way that we feel about our body, I think really plays a huge role, if not the number one role in how we feed it, right? So if we grew up with this idea that we didn't like our bodies, that our bodies weren't good enough, that our bodies weren't thin enough, our bodies weren't curvy enough, whatever, we just weren't enough, we didn't feel that we were seen or appreciated, we learn at that age to really start comforting ourselves with food. So for me, for instance, I grew up not being exposed to healthy foods as a youngster. And then in my teen years, I was living on these hostesses and and Doritos. In fact, it was really funny. If I got sick, if I had a cold or a flu and a fever and I couldn't go to school, 
my dad worked not too far away from home. And so he would come home at lunchtime to check in on us. And um, he would always bring me a paint by numbers to keep me occupied and a bag of taco flavored Doritos. So here I am, you know, with this flu, 104 fever, eating Doritos, right? So that was my experience with food. I go into my teens and now I'm like, okay, I'm living on Hostess uh, cupcakes and Twinkies and eating Doritos. My meals are generally frozen. And of course, my body is changing. I'm starting to put on weight and I'm, I'm not comfortable with that weight, right? And I don't know about you, but I had a mom that was always dieting. And so I watched my mom go from diet to diet. She was taking Dexatrim. She was drinking the coffee. There was a coffee program that was a diet that had stimulants in it that was supposed to help you lose weight. I remember one time she went an entire month eating grapefruit. So much so she even roasted the grapefruit once. I was like, okay, here, I've never seen grapefruit in the house. I tried it. I really didn't like it. It was too sour for me. And then she's eating it all day long and putting it in the roaster. So I didn't have a great understanding of how to nourish my body, but I did know a lot about diets. So really, I was really confused from the get-go on how to nourish my body. And I think a lot of women have this similar story. We're introduced to diets at a very young age and how we feed our body is more about, is more indicative of the diet we're currently on, right? And we need to learn beyond diets. We actually need to learn how to nourish ourselves. So when you were first introduced to diets, if you were younger like me, totally, totally, totally changes the way you look at food. So it wasn't until I became a parent myself that food changed for me and it changed forever. Um, I, if you don't know about my story, I have five kids. They're, they're young adults now. My youngest is uh, 19. But when they were younger in our family, because we had such a large family, we struggled with food allergies and neurological struggles. And all of my kids played sports. So sports performance was a huge piece. So food for us was medicine. And it really impacted our lifestyle. And I spent so much time, I mean, I have so many books, shelves and shelves filled with books because I wanted to learn how to nourish my kids' bodies. And I also wanted to learn how to, to nourish myself, right? And so at that point in time, as I'm reading these books and, and paying attention to what's going on in the marketplace, especially as my kids got older and we got into sports performance, I started to see the latest trends in the information, right? And I was like, okay, I, I need to do this for my kids or I need to do that for my kids. And as this information was coming in, even today, when we look at the diet information we get today, it doesn't take long for a new piece of information, another book, another author, another doctor, a different perspective for it to totally contradict what we were doing previously. And it makes it really hard. In addition to that, when I was raising my kids, you know, I was meeting a lot of different women and then they were telling me, no, 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 you, you want to do this or you want to do that. So we're not only getting this contradicted information from the, the wellness arena, right? The books and the teachers and the gurus that are teaching us what we need to do to be well. 
We also have our sister and our girlfriends giving us what they think is the right answer. And then we can even bring in doctors. For many doctors, food is not what they focus on. So when it comes to well-being, they were steering people towards that standard American diet. And, and in my opinion, the standard American diet, uh, which is the acronym SAD, is SAD for a reason. And I, I didn't think that it served my family well. Now, I'm not telling you that the standard American diet is not a good diet for you. First of all, I'm not into diets. Second of all, I want you to do the work. I want you to figure out how to feed your body, how to, well, better yet, how to nourish your body versus feeding it and to discover for yourself what feels good to you, what energizes you, what's, what makes you feel good, right? And that's the difference. But now that we're talking about these wellness trends, we have to take into consideration, and I, I talk about this all the time to nauseam, the wellness industry right now is about a $5.4 trillion marketplace. Now, they're telling us, no, better yet, they're screaming at us that they have all the answers. Yet by large, in the United States, we have really crappy health stats. So I'm going to share a few with you. Less than 75% of adults in the U.S. get enough physical activity, okay? So we're, we're sedentary. We're not moving around. Less than 75% of adults in the U.S. say that they get enough sleep. So not only are we not exercising, we're exhausted, right? Now it, gets, it keeps going. Over 75% of the adults in the U.S. are overweight, now, that is a big spectrum. What does overweight mean? But let's just say as a container for this episode that 75% of the adults in the U.S. weigh more than what optimal health says that they should weigh, okay? And we'll just leave it at there. More than, so you know what? Oh, talking about weight gets tricky. So let's, let's look at it a different way. More than 50% of the adults in the U.S. at one time or another struggle with depression. Now, one in 10 adults has a diagnosis of diabetes. And, and this is the thing that just blows my mind. So one out of 10 have been diagnosed with diabetes. They, they have been tested by a doctor. But one out of five in the United States over the age of 18 have diabetes, but don't know it. Nearly half the adults in the United States struggle with hypertension. And when you think about half of the adults struggle with hypertension, that means that one in two. So if you know two people, it's likely that one of them struggles with hypertension. And what, what is hypertension? So if their systolic blood pressure is above 130 and their diastolic is greater than 80. Now, here again, I want to say, and I'm going to keep saying it through this episode, I am not a doctor. I am not a registered dietitian. I am not diagnosing whether or not you have hypertension. These are just stats, and I'm just reading them. Now, in addition to one to two people having hypertension, this is what blows my mind. One to five people in this group, so more than 50% of the adults that have hypertension could eliminate it with lifestyle modifications, but choose not to. So let's reframe that question that I hear most often from women is they don't know what to eat, right? 
But when I ask women what they like to eat, they will tell me things we all like to eat, like pizza and fast food fries and and bakery donuts. If we know that there's a difference between what we choose to feed our bodies with and what we choose to nourish our bodies with, then I don't know what to eat anymore really means that they don't know how to find the foods that they'll actually like and enjoy that also nourish their body. We've been talking about what we learned as a young person, how we look at our body and our emotions that come into play when it comes to nourishing our body. We also have to look at emotion because when we're choosing to feed, and I'm not a psychiatrist or a therapist, I'm not your guru. Once again, the disclaimer is coming in. This is just my personal opinion, but I've been there. And when I choose to numb an emotion with food, I'm filling a void. I'm eating not for sustenance, but for comfort. And recognizing that is really important. Sometimes I eat cookies and I say, just like Scarlett, tomorrow is another day. Today I will have a cookie. Okay? But sometimes when one or two cookies isn't enough, I have to sit back. I have to take a breath and I have to sit in that silence that is totally uncomfortable and ask myself right then and there, what am I avoiding? What is hurting? What am I missing? Because the choice is always mine to figure it out or to ignore it, to nourish my body or to feed it. And for me, and I cannot talk for you, I want you to consider this though, but for me, when push comes to shove, longevity is the goal for me. Not skinny jeans, not the number on the scale. And this is really important and I'm gonna bring in a a little, another tidbit. I I was telling you about when I was a kid and how my house was full of boxed cereals and Hostess cupcakes and Kool-Aid and cookies and, and tons of pasta. I'm Italian so there was always, always an abundance of pasta and grains and breads. Right now, My mom, she's 80 years old, and that's, it's great that she's still here with us, that she can be around my kids, but my mom is struggling with Alzheimer's, and my grandmother had Alzheimer's, and today, if you dig into any of the Alzheimer's research, which I spend a lot of time doing because I am looking at my longevity, like I said, right, they're calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes, and that they're saying that an abundance living a lifetime on sugary foods, which causes insulin resistance and all that. And I'm not going to go into the specifics of that today. You can talk to your doctor about it. But when our blood is loaded with all of this sugar for a lifetime, that Alzheimer's is is a possibility. And it impacts more women than it does men. And now that it has this classification of type 3 diabetes, I I pay attention. I really, really, really pay attention to what I put into my body because my longevity matters. And I want to avoid, I don't want to be the third maternal line to have Alzheimer's. So when it comes to nourishing my body, this is just me, my focus is the end game. What is your focus? 
Are you nourishing your body? Or are you feeding your body? Have you even taken the time to consider this? Do you look at what you're putting into your body? And if it's serving you, if it's making you feel good, not just that it's delicious. And you know what? I can teach you how to cook foods that you absolutely love without recipes. And that is something that we're going to kick off in June in the community. So I hope you will join the community and be with us because I believe that cooking food can be easy and it doesn't have to be time consuming and that the foods you prepare can be so delicious. So delicious that you don't miss restaurants. I got to tell you, for me, restaurants mean I don't have to wash dishes. Restaurants mean time away with my husband and, and relaxing because I'm not the one doing the cooking and the cleaning. But when it comes to whether or not I'm excited about the food, heck no. I can cook food that I love and I can teach you to do the same thing. So I hope you'll hop into the community by June when the no recipe cooking classes will begin. I, I think you will be blown away at how easy it is, especially those of you who are not fans of veggies. Once I show you how to saute a variety of vegetables, to chop them in ways that provide a mouthful of a fusion of flavor, you will be hooked, I swear. I want to end this podcast and I want you to really, this is the takeaway. I always say that I want you to have one takeaway from the podcast. And I know I've labored this for a little bit longer than I generally do a solo podcast, but are you nourishing your body or are you feeding it? What is your end game? And I hope like all episodes here, we start the conversation on the podcast, and then we follow it up in the community. So I hope you will come over to ditchthedogma.community and tell me what your end game is. So to answer that question, I don't know what to eat anymore. The real question, the question underneath that is actually, I don't know how to prepare foods that I will love, that will taste phenomenal, that won't take up too much time, that will nourish my body. And that we're going to figure out together in ditchthedogma.community. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope it made you think a little bit about how you're putting food in your body. We can journey together, finding out what foods serve us that make us feel good. Skip the dogma, skip the diets, and learn to love food again. Become a culinary artist. Enjoy it. That's what I want to see for you. That's what I hope you will gain from Ditch the Dogma, the podcast, the community, the programs, all of it. That's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. I will see you next Tuesday. Enjoy the rest of your week. And don't forget, come on over to ditchthedogma.community and join us.